your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. So while you're turning in your Bibles, I, I want to I bring a message this morning on this thought. Is God faithful? Is God faithful? See, I could take and I, I could title a message, God is faithful. And the church could take it and put it there on our YouTube, and somebody scrolling through YouTube would see that title and say, God is faithful. And they'd say, Amen. And they'd scroll right on by, but they'd never listen to that. I could put God is faithful, and I could come in here and say, God is faithful, and everybody in here says, Amen but half the people in here would write it off and not pay half attention to the message because in all honesty, it's become not much more than a cliche in today's time. But take the word is. Take those two letters and change places with them. And say, is God faithful? Is God faithful in your situation? Will God be faithful in your storm? Will God be faithful with everything that, that you're going through? See, I don't believe there's a person within the sound of my voice out on, on the airways or even here in the building who has never at least questioned the faithfulness of God in a situation. I, I don't believe there's anybody in here. If, if you're that awesome and spiritual and that close to God, praise God for you. Pray for the rest of us. Because I don't believe that there's anybody in here who has not ever wondered why would God allow the things he allows. I don't think there's anybody in here that has not, that has not ever, ever questioned God because of what you're going through at the time. Because of the event that's taking place in your life. What, what do you do? What do you do when it's your family? What do you do when the sickness comes to your house and it falls under your roof? And you open your Bible to James chapter 5 and it says, is there any sick among you? And you say, yes, my And it says, let them call for the elders of the church and anoint them with oil and pray for them that the prayer of faith would heal the sick and that God will raise them up. And you do exactly what it says. Sickness prevails. What do you do? What do you do when you can't pay your bills? What do you do when you're doing what the book says? What do you do? You're paying your tithes. You're giving the missions. You're helping benevolence. You're doing carrying food to your neighbor. You're trying to help somebody that's hurting. You're doing everything you can. As a matter of fact, hold your place there. Hold your place there in 1 Corinthians just a minute. Let, let me, what, what do you do when you're doing everything you can and the bills are, Stacked up.
What do you do when you when your back's against the wall and you 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 don't know how you're gonna put food on the table for your family? You don't know how you're gonna keep a roof over your head. And you're open to Mark chapter eleven and Jesus says in verse 22, he says, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. What do you do when you read that? And you're holding a foreclosure notice in your hand. What do you do when your, your marriage is struggling? You're trying to do everything you can. You're spending more time reading, more time praying. You try handing everything to God. Yet it seems like everything is falling apart. Is God faithful? So our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if y'all give me a minute, I'll catch back up there. I promise I'm getting there. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother unto the church of God which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord of the name of Jesus Christ our Lord both theirs and ours grace be unto you peace from God our Father from the Lord Jesus Christ I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you're enriched by him, in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as this testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you to the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. Thank you, God, that the two-letter word is is not out of place. It's not misfit, misfunctioned. It's not improper. It's put exactly where it belongs, for God is faithful. Thank you, God, that you can, well, that you can give us such a promise in your word. Thank you for holding us up when we can't stand, carrying us when we can't walk, loving us when we're unlovable. Thank you for grace, for mercy. Thank you for salvation, God. Thank you for the promise, for the hope of eternity, for all that we have, for all the promise that we have in you and in you alone. Lord, I thank you for this, your people, God, Faith Baptist Church, God, your family here, brothers and sisters in Christ, redeemed of the blood of the Lamb, come together as one to tell you thank you. God, I ask you, would you move in this place this morning, move through the airways. God, you never give me a reason. You never give me a, a message that's just for me. 
God, they're all for me, but they all have a, a purpose. They all have a point. And I know somewhere among you people, somebody needs to touch this morning. God, I pray that your perfect will be accomplished. I pray that every broken heart be mended and broken homes pieced together. I pray that broken dreams be put back in place. And God, I pray that you be pleased with all that we do. We love you, God. You've been so good to us. I just want to tell you thank you. And we want to praise you in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Y'all forgive me. I can't get over my little sign of stuff. If I take a time out and go blow my nose, I'll be right back. But I'm not going to sniff all morning, Lord willing. You know, sometimes life just seems so unfair. Yeah, thank you. I thought maybe I didn't say that. I thought maybe I just thought I said it and nobody heard it. Sometimes life seems so unfair. You know, we preach messages like, why do bad things happen to good people? Bottom line is rain falls where it will. Rains on the just and the unjust. When storms come, they cover all the areas. But sometimes life just seems so unfair. Charles Spurgeon said, life's not always fair, but God is always faithful. Sometimes our problems seem to be bigger than our faith. Some, sometimes our situations seem to be more than we can handle. Anybody ever been going through something and you've talked to God and you said, I know your word says you'll not put more on me than I can handle, but I think you're missing this one. I don't think I can get through this one. Well, the truth is you can't, but God can. God didn't bring you there to get you through that on your own. He didn't mean that you got to get through it on your own. I can't put more on you than you can handle, but he did mean I will not put more on you than I can handle for you. Sometimes it seems like our prayers go unnoticed. Sometimes it, it, it seems like there's a barrier between us and God. And it seems like the prayer's not getting past the roof of the building that, that you're in. What, what do you do? What do you do when the storm seems to have no end? What do you do when the night prevails and darkness sets in and there seems to be no light breaking through anywhere in your situation? What do you do when you ask God why? Anybody ever ask God why? I grew up in a legalistic bunch of hogwash that said it's a sin to ask God why. Well, take your holy roller self and don't because I do. Because there's some things I don't understand, and God loves me as a father enough to sit down sometimes and explain some things. Hold me up even in my doubt, even in my trial, even in my struggles. Love me through my problems. Hold me. What do you do when you ask God why? But you don't get an answer. And, and you don't understand why it keeps going. Have you ever wondered, God, why are you not listening to me? What, what did I do? What did I do to create this barrier? Have you, ever, have you ever wondered, is God going to be faithful in this? And if he is, where is he? If he's going to be faithful in the road I'm walking right now, why doesn't he do something about this? Have you ever 
questioned your faith based on your circumstances. We want to trust God, but where is he now? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, it, you, it's the whole host. It's health, it's marriage, it's finances, it's children, it's struggles, it's problems. It doesn't matter what it is. You, you put your situation there. It doesn't matter. Yours isn't bigger than anybody else's, and no one else is bigger than yours. Yours is yours. And, and you want to be faithful, but where is God now? So here's the truth. Storms builds faith. Trials build trust. Circumstances build character. A man is only as faithful as his situation. Our faith can only be as big as the biggest thing God has brought us through. Your faith can't be bigger than a storm you've never been through. Your faith can't be bigger than a trial you've never had to pass. Faith is only as big as the last biggest thing we've been through. And in order for faith to get bigger than where it is, you've got to go through something bigger than you've ever been. And God's got to bring you out the other side in order to increase faith. Teresa Peculiarea, she says, Your struggles and tears will never be wasted, but will be transformed into a healing balm after your victory comes. You've already won. Hold on just a little while longer. Everything will be all right. But she closes with this. We serve a God whose name is faithful. I preached a message two or three years ago. Many of you remember those of you here. When your test becomes your testimony. Anybody ever been through a test in life? Anybody ever felt like God was putting you to the test? Anybody in here have a test that you can look back on that is now your testimony? That God brought you through to get you to here? Everybody in here has a testimony of the goodness of God because of the test, the things that he's brought us through in the past. I read an unnamed quote, but it says, you can trust God with tomorrow because he was faithful yesterday. It's during the hardest trials when we learn whether or not we really trust God. It's during life's most difficult situations when we learn to lean not on our, on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct our path. It's in the storms when, when we learn how to hold on. Alexander Gross says it's often in the valleys and storms of life that we begin to doubt God's faithfulness. But how could we? He's faithful to never leave us nor forsake us. In times of trouble, his faithfulness is most demonstrated, y'all listening, even when we are most unaware of his presence. In the word of God, we find the word faithful 82 times. In the Old Testament, it talks about God's faithfulness in two ways. It talks about the promise of God's faithfulness, and it talks about the fulfillment of God's faithfulness. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Deuteronomy 31, 8, The Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Isaiah chapter 25 says in verse number 1, O Lord, thou art my God. 
I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels are of our counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Max Lucado says, God meets daily needs daily, not weekly, not annually. He will give you what you need when it is needed. Psalms chapter 119, longest chapter in the Bible, all the way down in verse number 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You ready for confirmation? Verse number 9, thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. Verse number 91 says, they continue this day according to thine ordinances. That will never change. Another Charles Spurgeon quote, there's not a promise, not a word in the Bible that is not ours. In the depths of tribulation, it will comfort. In the midst of all waves of distress, it will cheer. And when sorrows surround, it'll be our helper. God is faithful in the Old Testament. But God's faithfulness didn't end with Abraham. God didn't stop being faithful with Moses. The faithfulness of God wasn't fulfilled and come to an end with David. Even in the New Testament, God is faithful. Even in 2022, God is faithful. Even in your storm, your trouble, your trial, your life, everything, God is faithful. Paul said in his second letter to the church at Thessalonica, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Our text says in verse number 8, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon, yet again, the glory of God's faithfulness is that no sin of ours has ever made him unfaithful. Our text goes on in verse number nine and says, God is faithful by whom ye were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul Silway says God's faithfulness is the one constant in the equation. He is the rock on which we stand. Never give up on God because he never gave up on you, and he'll never give up on you. He's always there. He's always there. When you can't feel him, he's got you completely surrounded. When you can't stand, he's holding you up. When you can't walk, he's carrying you because you have no strength of your own. God is always there. He has never given up on us, and we are called to trust God through times of joy, through times of tribulation. God's faithfulness remains consistent. Life can be hard. Things in life can be challenging. And as we said earlier, sometimes they seem awfully unfair. 
When things don't go according to our plans, prayers seem to go unanswered. Things don't seem to be getting taken care of the way we'd like. We, we get frantic. Anybody say amen? We get anxious. We get nervous. We get bothered. We get scared. We get sad. We get upset. We get a whole host of emotions because we don't see God doing it, but yet God always remains faithful. What, what about when you're praying? What about anybody besides me? You ever have it all figured out? God, here's all I need you to do, and you got it all figured out. I'm smarter than the creator of the universe, amen? If you just do this, it'll all be good. But what about when God don't answer it our way? We beg and we plead. We try following the scriptures, but, but nothing happens. What, what about when our world is still falling apart? What, what about when, when you're facing a situation? Anybody listening, I want you to hear this. What about when you're facing a situation that you know for a fact beyond a shadow of a doubt with all of your heart that God is able? You know that God can take care of your situation, but he doesn't. Anybody know where I'm at? What do you do when you're hurting? There seems to be no end to your pain. Seems to be, to be no end in sight. What, what do you do when, when you call out the promises of God? You repeat his own word back to him in your prayer, but it seems like he's not listening to anything you have to say. Oh, it's easy to sing about how God is faithful from the mountaintop. <laughs> it's easy to talk about the goodness of God when the sun's shining and everything's great and there's money in the bank and your family's healthy and all is good. Oh, it's easy to talk about the goodness of God when there's nothing holding you back. But what about in the valley? What about in the midnight hour, in the darkest time of the night, when the storm is raging? Is God faithful? It's as simple as this. We either believe God is who God says he is, or you don't. That's what faith is. Brendan Manning says, my trust in God flows out of the experience of his loving me day in and day out. Whether the day is stormy or fair, whether I'm sick or in good health, whether I'm in a state of grace or disgrace, he comes to me where I live and loves me as I am. Martin Luther King Jr. said, faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. To the one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To the one without faith, no explanation is possible. Many times we mistakenly compare God's faithfulness to ours. You know, sometimes on, sometimes off. Kind of like our faith, kind of like our strength, kind of like our hopes. Sometimes on, sometimes off. But, but God's faithfulness is far beyond anything that we could conceive on our own. If, if we have a measure of faith at all, it's because God gave it to us. Anything that we have, any strength that we have, grace that we have, anything that we have is because God gave us the strength for it. In the Word of God, we read about the attributes of God, all the many attributes. The, the Word of God is full of, of, a, of a God who has many attributes. If we believe in the attributes of God, then how can we not believe in God? If we believe in the attributes of God, then how can we doubt the faithfulness of God? 
One of the attributes of God is that he is omniscient. That means that he's all-knowing. There's nothing that God does not know. Not about the world, not about the universe, not about the galaxies, all that, but about you, about your life, your circumstance, your situation. God's not caught by surprise in anything that goes on in our lives. See, God understands where you are. God understands calculus. God understands microbiology. God understands finances. God understands a broken heart. No matter what we're going through, God understands our situation. Psalms 147, verse number 3 says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars, calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. He knows past, present, and future. He knows everything about our situation, including how it's going to work out. God had the end in place before the beginning ever got there. God will allow it for a season, for a purpose, to establish something within us for our good, for his glory. Whatever happens, no matter how bad, God loves us. God cares, and whatever it is that he allows has a purpose. And we either trust him or we don't. Another one of God's attributes is that God is omnipotent. That means that God is all-powerful. There's nothing that God cannot do. He spoke. He spoke the heavens and the earth into creation. He hollowed out the oceans with his hand. He set bounds about the oceans and says you can only come this far. Go ahead and study it. You'll see. The, I've said it many times. The oceans aren't where the oceans are because that's the deepest place that's where they have to stay. They have to stay because God set bounds about them and said you stay here and don't pass by. You stay here where you are. He sprinkled stars all throughout the heavens. He spoke the universe into creation. He breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of Adam, and he became a living man. There is nothing that God cannot do. Jeremy Taylor says, It is impossible for that man to despair who remembers that his helper is omnipotent. How can we be in despair and turmoil when we understand that there is nothing that our God cannot do? Jeremiah chapter 32, God asked a rhetorical question. He says in verse number 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Well, the obvious answer is absolutely not. But the obvious question is, do we believe it? If there's nothing that God can't do, then God can take care of our situation, correct? Man, y'all done fell asleep on me. Wake up the person next to you. I'm not done yet. I'm almost done. If there's nothing that God cannot do, do you, you, you believe that? Raise your hand. That'll get somebody away. Wake them up. Nothing that God cannot do. If there's nothing that God cannot do, then can God take care 
of you in your trial? Can God take care of you in your situation? Can God bring you out on the other side victorious for his good, for his glory, all for us? If God can do everything, then God can take care of our problem, correct? So if God is, is omniscient and he knows our situation, and God is omnipotent, all-powerful, he can take care of our situation. And thirdly, God is omnipresent. You're not in that alone. Wherever you're at, you're not in it alone. God is in all places at all times, past, present, future. God won't will be in the future. God is in the future. God won't will be in your situation. God is in your situation. God won't will be there when you need him. God is there when you need him. God is omnipresent, so there's nowhere that he's not, not in space, not in time. God is always there. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24 says, can any hide himself in the secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Proverbs chapter 15 says in verse number 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. That means that there's no situation that God is not in it. William Arthur Ward says God's strength behind you, his concern for you, his love within you, and his arms beneath you are more than sufficient for the job ahead of you. Whatever it is that God has put in your path, no matter how hard, no matter how much it struggles, no matter how much it hurts, whatever it is that God has allowed in your path has a plan or it wouldn't be there. Whatever happens in your life, no matter how hard, how sad, how bad, it had to come across the desk of God. If you don't believe it, go back and read the book of Job. When, when God asked him, you consider Job, he says, oh, yeah, I've considered him, but there ain't nothing I can do because you won't let me. I can't touch him because you have a hedge about him. God says, okay, you can touch his stuff, but you can't touch him. He took every bit of his stuff. But he wasn't allowed to touch Job. God says, okay, you can touch his body now, but you can't kill him. He put bowls and sores all over his body, and he made it hell on earth for Job. Even though he's a faithful man, God allowed it. But the devil could not do more than God allowed. Peter tells us in the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 10 and verse 34, he says, I perceive that God is of no respecter of persons. That means if he wouldn't let the devil touch Job more than he allowed, he can't touch you more than he allowed. But that doesn't mean that storms aren't allowed. That doesn't mean that trials don't, don't come our way. Let, let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question. How many of you in here, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you've trusted Christ? You know that God is creator of all things. You know that Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered into the earth, separated man from God. You know that God killed that first animal. There was the blood of the bulls and the goats. It was temporary sacrifice for time. You know all that. You believe that. You, you've said in the word of God that God had to put blood for an atonement. Where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That's what God said. And so for a time, there was a season involved the Jews that the shedding of blood was for bulls and goats. But Jesus Christ became the spotless lamb of God. 
that he came and he sacrificed once and for all, that the shedding of the blood stopped then, that the blood of Jesus is sufficient for your sin. You believe that? You believe it? You've trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You know that he hung on Calvary's cross for my sin and for yours. You know that they put him in a borrowed tomb. You know that on the third day he rose from the grave. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He conquered death so that we might have eternal life, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. You believe that with all your heart. And because of that, you have trusted in him. You've asked God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to redeem you, to wash away your sins, to save your soul. You've been purchased of the Lamb of God. You're on your way to heaven, not because you deserve it, not because you're good enough, not because you ought to go, but because of the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ that washed away all your sins, wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life, gave you a home in glory, and you know that you're a child of God. Raise your hand. You know, you know that you've been redeemed of the blood of the Lamb of God. Do we really believe that all of our sins are forgiven? Do we really believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has ascended into the heavens, that he is preparing a place for you? And if he goes and prepares a place for you, he will come again and receive you unto himself, that where he is, there ye shall be also. Do you believe that? Corey Ten Boom said, in God's faithfulness lies eternal security. Eternal security. Our text says in verse number 8, who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless, spotless, redeemed, sinless, because of the Lamb of God, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we can trust God with our eternal life, then why do we have such a hard time trusting him in this one? If we can trust God to erase the greatest problem we ever had, in sin did my mother conceive me. In sin was I born. In sin and separation from God came I into this world. I reached an age of an accountability where God offered me salvation. I had the right to say yes. I had the right to say no. I made a choice. I was born in that sin. If I can trust God to wash away all that sin and prepare that place and take me there, keep me there for all of eternity, how can I not trust God in this life? If I can trust him in the greatest problem I ever faced, why can't I trust him in the little ones? If you ever doubt that God loves you, if you ever doubt that God cares, if you ever wondered, I mean, if you ever been in a situation, you're hurting so bad, you feel like God's not listening, you seriously wonder, God, do you really love me? Do you really care? Am I the only one? Anybody ever wondered that? If you ever really need to know that, that God loves you and, and you need to be reminded of that in spite of what you're going through, just look at Calvary. Just look at the cross because the, the cross, he did it all for you. You say, oh, no, no, no. The Word of God says he came that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever is everybody. So he came for all of mankind. No, no, no. St. Augustine said it best when he said, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. God loves you as if there was no one else. 
God came to Calvary for you as if there was no one else. God will be there in your storm for you when you don't feel him. I preached another message. I think the title of it was, It's Not About Feeling. It's About Faith. Anybody ever don't feel God? <laughs> I've come in this building and stood right back there while they pray and prayed, God, let me feel you. Let me know you're here. Let me know your presence is among your people, God. I don't feel you. Sometimes it's not about feeling. It's about faith. It's about knowing God's there whether you feel it or not. It's about knowing God can whether you see it or not. It's about knowing God will. Maybe not your way. Maybe not in your time. Maybe not to your satisfaction. But God will take care of whatever you're facing. So I ask you the question, is God faithful? Hebrews chapter 11, we call it the hall of faith. The whole chapter talks about faith. It says in verse number one that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because before it was not found, God, because before God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Could, could I have... Everybody stand just right where you are. And I want to ask you just for a minute, right where you are, if you just bow your heads and close your eyes. Greg, if you guys would come on. But if I could ask you to just bow your head just for a minute and, and let, me, let me ask you a question. By show of hands, how many of you in here believe that God is faithful? Raise your hand. All over the building all over the building. So knowing, knowing that, knowing that, that God is faithful, how many of you have a situation where you need for God to intervene? How many of you could say, I, I know God is faithful. I, I, I know God is faithful. I, I believe that. And, and, and I, want to, I want to believe that in my situation right now that, that God is faithful, but it is so hard. I need for God to show himself to me now. I need to see God in my situation now. I need to see a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel now. I need to see that God is concerned about my situation now. I need to know that there's hope now. 
I need to know that God has this all under control. And even though I do not, cannot see the end, I do not feel his presence in it. I can't see him anywhere around about. I know that God is faithful. And I need to see God in my situation right now. Would you raise your hand? All over the building. Here's what I want to do. The altar's open. And the Bible says, make your request known to God. I want you to bring it to him. If you raised your hand and said, God, I've got faith to believe. But I need to see it now. I'm hurting right now. I got something going on in my life right now. My family's got something. We're walking some bumpy dirt roads now we're walking some troubling situations now we're walking in the darkness now I, I need to see you now I need your help now I need you to meet me where I am because I can't come to you but you can come to me I just need to see you I need to feel you I need to know that you're there now and that you've got all this taken care of if you don't fix it today, it's okay. Just give me the strength to walk through tomorrow. If you don't make it better, it's okay. Just give me the grace to let people see Christ in my life walking through the valley. But I need for you to make yourself known to me now. Maybe you just need to come thank God for the storm he just brought you through. Maybe you just need to come say thank you, God, for the valleys I was walking in and that you stood there beside me through the valley of the shadow of death. You walked beside me. You held my hand. You held me up. You brought me out of the miry clay. You set my feet upon a rock. You loved me in spite of me. Helped me when I thought I was in a helpless situation. You were there, and I just want to say thank you. Don't ever forget to tell God thank you, because he didn't have to. He chose to. God didn't have to send Jesus. He chose to. Jesus didn't have to climb up on Calvary's cross. He chose to. God doesn't have to meet you where you are, but it is his heart's desire to. God wants to come to where you are. He wants to help you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to grow you. He loves you. I wonder if there's anybody this morning, maybe out there, YouTube, Facebook, I don't know, live stream, wherever you are, maybe in here. You've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You heard me talk this morning about, have you ever prayed and felt like God wasn't listening? Have you ever prayed and felt like God didn't hear me? Well, the truth is, if you're not saved, you're not a child of God, and God's not listening to you. You have no right into the throne room of Almighty God because the only way to walk into the throne room of grace that you might obtain mercy is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're not covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, then you're covered in the stains of your sin and you have no access to the throne room of God. You can pray for the sick. You can pray for your situation. You can pray for all you want and you're talking to yourself. But there is a prayer that you can pray. And it'll change all that. See, when you pray, Lord, I am a sinner. I understand your word. 
I understand that all is sin that comes short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death, but I understand that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and I want that gift. I don't want to die and go to hell. I don't want to be separated from God. I don't want to be lost anymore. I want to be found. I don't want my name to be scattered out. I want, about, I want my name written in the Lamb's book of life for all of eternity. See, when you say that prayer, you're acknowledging that you trust God, you believe God, and that Jesus Christ paid for your sin, and you're saying, Lord, I am a sinner, and I'm asking you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sin, and save my soul in Jesus' name, and that is the only name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. But if you're faithful to pray that prayer, Oh, my goodness. Everything changes. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. God moves in. You're a new creature in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit on your way to heaven. Listen, you don't know what a peaceful night's sleep is till you know your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you want God to meet you in your storm, it's got to start with salvation. I don't know what these guys are going to sing. I was amazed about all the songs that they sang about faithfulness when I knew I was about to preach on God's faithfulness. And I don't know what they're about to sing right now, but I know God's already got it lined up. So whatever it is, can we just sing this last song and take a few minutes and worship a God that's holy, sovereign, righteous, loving, Merciful, kind, tender, almighty, all deserving of our praise. One song, we got plenty of time. One song. Can you just get lost somewhere in worship for a little while? Let him know how much you love him. Go ahead, God.